Welcome to Dark History Time with Brian. A few things before we get started. need to let you know that you might find some of this material disturbing. We do use adult language on the show. Listener to discretion is advised. episode of Dark History Time with Brian. Probably going to notice a few differences this week. This is probably going to be, I assume, one of the longer episodes that I have so far, just because I packed a bunch of stuff in. Not going to say that every episode is going to run this long, but I, I wanted to get this one out today. Plus, I got to thinking about it. I've heard from a couple people that, uh, disembodied voice that's occasionally joined you. I think we might have hit on it early on who that might be, but uh, now I'm going to put him on the spot and say the man behind the mic and the magic is Austin. Uh, He really has made this possible for me because I don't know how to do any of this shit without him, so he occasionally uh, chimes in with some things, which is nice, but I figured we would do a broader introduction of uh, Mr. Austin Pontius. Man, you were kidding when you say you were going to put yeah, me on the spot Yeah, I told there. you I was going to put you on the spot today. But I'll try to make it easy for you. Okay. What would you say intrigues you about this area, uh, or this topic of con- or these topics of conversation, I should say, so, what I call dark history? I've always loved dark history kind of stuff, uh, especially like the paranormal stuff. I wouldn't call myself a super big like ghost enthusiast, but I do know a lot of the... Um, like stories and stuff. My dad and I used to watch. Uh, I can't think of the name of the the show, but we used to watch paranormal shows all the time. Okay. That was kind of our thing. And we're you. certainly skeptics. Like we're not the kind of people that we don't really know what we believe in. Okay. Uh, we always thought that was interesting. I've got my my serial killers. Iceman's sure. like one of right. my top ones. Right. Um, all right. So would you say the paranormal introduced you to the the. Uh the crimes behind that stuff because as i've always said i'm a skeptic with the paranormal i'm not super into it myself but those people know their history behind these locations and these events that led to it so was that an introduction into crime the paranormal or did you also have the crime kind of separate and that just kind of melds the two i was introduced with i'd say both feet running so okay. amityville horror was where i started with as a okay. kid and my dad was super into that history with the okay. DeFeo family. All right. So, so that's kind of, I got a little bit of both worlds there because okay. you got the true crime, but then you also got all right. the paranormal stuff that is right. allegedly happening as well. Okay. Okay. And the Iceman, how'd you get turned on to the Iceman? He's one that some people know the name and they, the most recent movie with Michael Shannon, which was a pretty, pretty good movie. That introduced a lot of people, but prior to that, I don't know that a lot of people knew who he was. That is exactly how I got introduced, was the movie. The movie? I was okay. going through Netflix one day, and I saw the movie, and I was like, huh, that sounds kind of interesting. I didn't know anything about yeah. it. I'm like, that seems like it'd be up my alley. So I turned it on, I watched it, and went through the whole movie, loved it. Yeah. Went off and uh, did more research about it, just because I wanted to see how accurate it was. Right. And it seems to be pretty accurate. There's obviously some dramatizations that yeah. are going on with it. Yeah, and there's people that will argue that 
Kuklinski boosted himself up a whole lot anyway, so how much do you really trust of what he is even saying? So He's a stone cold Yeah, he's stone cold killer. Yeah. yeah. He's there's no two two ways about that. Did you have you had the opportunity to see the three documentaries that HBO did with him? No, I did not know that was a thing. Oh, you you have to do that. You have to do that. Um the Iceman and the Psychiatrist, The Iceman Speaks, and I think the other one is just, I think it's just The Iceman. And HBO did all three? HBO did all three. They were HBO documentaries. Um, they're fascinating to say the least. I mean, the, it's just, it's a tight camera angle on him as somebody asks him questions you don't even see the questioner except in the Iceman and the psychiatrist that's uh, dr park deets who's been an expert witness in a number of high profile cases jeffrey dahmer andrea yates list goes on for him he's the one talking to uh kukulinski at that point but otherwise it's just a camera on him so to see just the the flat effect or affect make sure i say it correctly so people know what i'm talking about the flat affect of him talking about these things and just just like you and me shooting the shit and it's yeah, really I him guess. like these are this documentaries they got it is a in camera the prison. Yep. an interview it, wow yep it's in the prison basically sitting at like an interrogation type table he's on one side they're on the other camera's right on him yeah maybe if it doesn't get too late by the time we do this we'll we'll queue one up they're on YouTube yeah queue well, up we part have, of one anyway we have HBO Max okay, we don't well, gotta pirate it and it should be all good. Yeah. It should be all good. <laughs> okay. So Kuklinski, um, on Morbid the Macabre the past two weeks, we've done some cults. You, you know some of those pretty well. Yeah, I know quite a bit of cults pretty well. Heaven's Gate, mm-hmm. uh, Osho's Cult, I know very well. Yeah, so you introduced me to that one. I, I did not know that one. So. Yeah, he was wild. So I think that's, that's awesome. And I imagine as we go along and we find our footing a little bit more instead of just listening to me ramble on about cases maybe we can maybe we can do a little bit more but i mean i always invite austin to ask questions and also say hey you're going off the rails straighten that shit out type of stuff i mean he's got to point me in the right direction so yeah, that's what post editing so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what he always tells me too so but i know uh cheyenne one time she She's like, yeah, in the earlier episodes when you were a little bit more involved, she's like, he sounded great. And then the last couple, it sounds like he's sitting too far back or anything. I was like, because Austin does sit back and let me do my thing. He kind of gets it. But but I also know that listeners sometimes like a little bit of variety and don't want to hear the same person saying talking the entire time. I mean, a lot of the successful podcasts are a couple people. So we'll, we'll see. We'll play around. I'm maybe, always here. Maybe I'll I'm start always telling. In the background. Yeah, maybe I'll start telling Austin beforehand what I'm going to do instead of just showing up and saying, "Hey, here's what we're doing this week." So sometimes a blind reaction is not a bad thing either, though. I agree, and I and I like that about doing this sometimes, and especially if your lovely female companion Tiana's here, I like sometimes glancing over and seeing her reaction too. So, so yeah, that's. That's Austin. He is the man that makes this sound the way it sounds. He's the guy that uploads it for us uh, on Anchor, which then distributes it to all the podcast or all the platforms that we're on. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I know that's the the big three that people pay attention to. Um, I believe Apple's the only one out of those that you can actually rate the show on. 
You should be able to do it through Spotify as well. I I could be wrong on that, but I'm almost positive Spotify is a certain section designated to podcasts where you can then rate. Because I know you can rate albums, right? Like, I'm not crazy to think that. I'm looking at it now. I'm not sure. I've only ever hit the love or follow, but I don't, but I have, excuse me, but I haven't followed. I mean, I haven't gotten into it super heavy myself i got my shows that i looked up i've got my albums and my artists that i've looked up and then i just let it play so yeah i'm the same way i don't even like stuff i just have my designated playlist tiana gets on me all the time for that i I am the most disengaged social media person (laughs) you will ever meet i have the playlist they made up for me but then i'll hit the favorites and that way i think my my favorite list has got 200 and some odd songs on it so sometimes i'll just put that on and listen to it but but I think I saw that I have four or five star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Not yeah, not setting the world on fire, but we're getting a good start. Haven't gotten any written reviews yet, just the, just the star ratings, which is fine. Um, I think we're closer to 250 listens. Audience, it says, is 30 people now. So thank Slowly you all. Surely. Yep, thank you all for listening. And I think after the introductions and our little bullshit, let's go ahead and start with uh, August infamous dates in the month of august since this is going to be hitting you august four three four whatever wednesday uh, is was it two so four yeah, yeah four. august four on wednesday so we will start with august 1st 1944 on that date uh and frank made her final diary entry so that's kind of heavy to start you may remember in uh the june rundown of dates that i gave I mentioned the uh, civil rights workers, James Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwerner. On August 4, 1964, they were found. Their bodies were found buried in an earthen dam in Philadelphia, Mississippi. They had disappeared on the 21st of June. Their car was found, I believe it was two days later. Yeah, on June 23rd. It had been set on fire. Uh, President Johnson sent the FBI in simply because, I mean, it was very obvious that Mississippi wasn't too concerned about figuring any of this out. Um, I know there was a trial many years later, the sheriff and everybody was involved. So there was not going to be any justice as long as local law enforcement had something to do with it. August 4th, 1962, Marilyn Monroe dies of a drug overdose at the age of 36. Here's a super heavy one for you. August 6th, 1945, at 8.15 a.m., the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, detonated about 1,800 feet above ground. It killed 105,000 people instantly and destroyed the city. Another 100,000 later died from the effects of the radiation. This is one that not a lot of people, I don't think, know anymore or care to know. I know it's not being taught much in schools anymore. I think they... We used to go back to... Hiroshima and Nagasaki? No, 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 no the next one, I'm sorry. Oh, The next okay. one, sorry, my fault. The, one, the upcoming <laughs> event... me for a no. second. I'm like, what? No, the upcoming event, I know we used to cover revolutionary, civil. I uh, briefly hit on the War of 1812, and then we get into the World Wars. And we went that far back. I think Cheyenne, when she was coming up, she said they barely touched on Vietnam, and then everything's mm. more modern than that. So... A lot of people know Vietnam as the late 60s, early 70s, but the events that led to it actually occurred on August 7th, 1964. Congress approved the 
excuse me, the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, granting Lyndon Baines Johnson authority to, quote, take all necessary measures to repel any armed attack against forces of the United States and to protect further aggression. Gulf of Tonkin was over in Southeast Asia. This was the impetus for us starting to build up and get more uh, presence in Southeast Asia. So that if we wanted to be technical, the problems of Vietnam started right there. August 9th, 1945. So three days after Hiroshima, bomber was headed for, I hope I say this correctly, Kokura, Japan, but there was poor visibility, so they chose a secondary target of Nagasaki. Dropped the second A-bomb, killing 70,000 and destroying half of the city. August 11th through the 16th, 1965. This is going to sound familiar to some folks. The Watts riots are triggered when a white officer has an incident with a black driver. 34 deaths, more than 3,000 arrested, and $40 million worth of property damage. Yeah. It's always happened. August 16th, 1977. A man that I hold near and dear, Elvis Presley, passes away at the age of 42 years old. I had to look this word up, and I hope that I say it correctly for this next one, because I, I honestly did not know what it was. So I put the definition beside us. <laughs> August 19th, 1934. A plebiscite, I believe is how you say it, which is a direct vote of all members of an electorate on important public questions. So basically, uh, an example that they used, if there was going to be an amendment to the Constitution, they would put it before the electorate of the United States and let them vote on if it was popular or not. This one happened to take place in Germany, where 89.9% of German voters approved granting Chancellor Adolf Hitler additional powers, including the office of president. August 24th. Going way back to 79 A.D. Does that does cool. that date does that date do anything for you? Uh, yeah, that's that's far back. When I, whenever I hear that date, I I know what's going to be the event that they talk about. I do don't you, know the event. Do not. I, Mount I, Vesuvius erupted, destroying the cities of Pompeii, Stabe, and Herculaneum. Pompeii is the city that uh, was discovered, I believe, in the 60s. They just happen to be doing an archaeological dig, and they get to an they uncover an entire village, people still in the fetal position, per, preserved perfectly. That's Pompeii. Those photos are incredible. Yes. Yep. That was seventy nine A.D. August twenty fourth. I didn't realize I was. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Way back there. So seventy nine years. Basically after, after Christ. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah. Christ. Yep. Wow. Yep. August 28th, 1963, 250,000 people attend a civil rights rally in Washington, D.C., where the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. makes his famous I Have a Dream speech. August 29th, 1991. I wrote this one down just to illustrate. I know most of your generation has always known uh, the Russian nations to be separate things. Mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, what, Croatia, Belarus, Estonia, Yugoslavia, Czechoslavia, Yugoslavia. Czechoslavia, yep. You guys have always known that. Not the USSR. That was, that was not the case yep. when I was coming up. So August 29th, 1991, 
Following an un unsuccessful coup attempt on August 19th and 21st, through the 21st, the Soviet Communist Party was suspended, ending nearly 75 years of rule and precipitating the fall of the USSR, the Soviet republics. Lastly, for the infamous dates, August 31st, 1997, Princess Diana was killed in a car accident, purportedly fleeing from paparazzi, a high-speed pursuit. Ended in a tunnel in Paris, I believe it was, or at least it was in France, with the, uh, the car crash that killed her, her boyfriend at the time, and wounded the driver seriously. So that is our August dates of infamy. And with that, <clears throat> I am going to go back to an event that happened. It is It just celebrated its 55th anniversary on August 1, but we're going to do the background first and then work our way up. So, born on June 24, 1941, Charles Joseph Whitman was taught to handle guns as, as just a child. It's just what they did. He was a good student and an Eagle Scout. <clears throat> Excuse me, on his 18th birthday, he joined the Marine Corps. In boot camp, he earned sharpshooter status. In 1961, there was a program called the Naval Enlisted Science Education Program. He used that to get a scholarship to go to the University of Texas. There he met his wife, Kathleen, and they were married in 1962. However, he was having some gambling issues and poor grades, so the Marine Corps pulled his scholarship and put him back into active service in 1963. He was honorably discharged in December of 64 and returned to the University of Texas. In May of 1966, he started saying that he was suffering from severe headaches and he consulted a mental health therapist, but he did not continue therapy. And it was found that in the looking into his background after the events, between 1965 and 1966, he visited at least five different doctors. <clears throat> On July 31st, 1966, he bought a pair of binoculars, a knife, and some spam. It's before the internet, so this is the fake meat. And then that evening, which is obviously leading up to our August 1st date, in the evening, he started to type a suicide note. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm gonna, I pulled a lot of quotes here, so we're gonna put this one in here. This is part of the suicide note. I do not quite understand what it is that compels me to type this letter. Perhaps it is to leave some vague reason for the actions I have recently performed. I do not really understand myself these days. I am supposed to be an average, reasonable, and intelligent young man. However, lately, and I cannot recall when it started, I have been a victim of many unusual and irrational thoughts. These thoughts constantly recur, and it requires a tremendous mental effort to concentrate on useful and progressive tasks. He went on to request an autopsy to look at his brain for reasons as to why this might have occurred. Shortly after midnight on August 1st, he drove to his mother's house where he killed her. It's, there's dispute over whether he or she was shot or stabbed. I think nobody really wanted to release the information, but he did kill her. He put her on her bed and covered her with sheets and left a handwritten note, part of which read, to whom it may concern. I have just taken my mother's life. I am very upset over having done it. However, I feel that if there is a heaven, she is definitely there now. I am truly sorry. Let there be no doubt in your mind that I love this woman with all my heart. 
reason I wanted to get these quotes is kind of gives you a glimpse inside of what's going on, and it's it's sad, but not, but absolutely no excuse for what takes place a little later in the day. He returns to his house where he stabbed his wife to death. He covers hers with sheets and left a note on her as well, part of which read, I love her dearly and I cannot rationally pinpoint any specific reason for doing this. He then resumed his typewritten note where he wrote in pen on the side, 8 3 a.m., both dead. He went ahead and finished the note in pen with this passage. I imagine it appears that I brutally killed both of my loved ones. I was only trying to do a quick, thorough job. If my life insurance policy is valid, please pay off my debts. Donate the rest anonymously to a mental health foundation. Maybe research can prevent further tragedies of this type. Give our dog to my in-laws. Tell, tell them that Kathy loved Scotchie very much. If you can find in yourselves to grant my last wish, cremate me after my autopsy. At about 5.45 a.m., August 1, he calls his wife and mother's jobs and told them that they wouldn't be in because they were ill. So you went through a lot of planning. A lot of planning. We're going to get into it. It's like spur-of-the-moment planning, right? Like over maybe a few days? He probably Most likely, this. although the doctor, the one mental health professional that they ended up talking to, said that he had mentioned wanting to shoot people. Friends mentioned that he had looked at the tower a number of times and said you could go up there and, and shoot people. So I think the thought was always there. The mental health professional did say that uh, basically his impression was it was a, a very high-strung, violent person that couldn't explain why he had these bouts of violence. So, yeah, when you... Wait do you hear the type of planning where you'll know it by this list, and I made sure I'd put it all down because I remember when I first read about it, I was like, yeah, this guy planned on being up there for quite some time. So later in the morning, he rents a dolly and cashed in $250 in bad checks. He purchases a 30 caliber M1 carbine, two magazines, and eight boxes of ammo. Goes to another store, buys four more magazines, six boxes of ammo, and a can of gun cleaning solvent. At a third store, he buys a 12-gauge semi-automatic shotgun. He then heads home. He has his military footlocker, where he packs up his Remington 700 bolt-action hunting rifle, a 35 caliber pump rifle, the M1 carbine, a 9mm Luger, hope I say this right for you gun aficionados, the Gillespie Brescia 25 caliber pistol, Smith & Wesson M19 357 caliber revolver, the shotgun, and 700 rounds, along with food, coffee, vitamins, dexedrine, etc., earplugs, jugs of water, matches, lighter fluid, rope, binoculars, machete, three knives, a transistor radio, toilet paper, a razor, and a bottle of deodorant. He intended to be there a while. At 11.25, he arrives at the University of Texas campus. He goes to the, or excuse me, they, they call it the main building. It's the tower there. Takes an elevator up to the 27th floor. The, after the 27th floor, there's a flight of steps to go up to the reception area of the observation deck. He goes up that flight of stairs. In that office, he comes across 51-year-old receptionist Edna Townsley, who he quickly smashes in the head with his rifle butt and drags her behind a couch. 
they then pushes the desk to block the entrance from the stairway up to the observation deck. 19-year-old Mike Gabor and his brother Martin Gabor, 16, try to squeeze past the desk, not knowing what's going on. They're just coming up there. They try to squeeze past the desk. Whitman turns and fires on him with a shotgun. Mike is hit in the shoulder. Martin's hit in the head. And then he shoots down the stairwell, killing 56-year-old Marguerite Lamport and wounding Mary Gabor, who is Mike and Martin's mother. Goes back into the reception area, and he finishes off the receptionist, Miss Townsley, with a shot to the head. At 11.48 a.m., he goes out onto the observation deck, which is 231 feet up, and starts targeting people on campus in a section of Guadalupe Street. Claire Wilson, 18 years old, is shot in the abdomen, which kills her unborn child. Thomas Ekman, 18 years old, tries to help, and he is shot dead. Robert Boyer, 33, is killed next. Devereaux Boyer, 31, is shot in the arm. A group of men walking to lunch together, David Matson, 22, Roland Elke, 21, Tom Herman, who they didn't give an age for, they're all wounded while they're walking to lunch. Thomas Ashton, who was 22 years old, was going to meet them. He was shot directly in the chest and killed. A shop owner named Homer Kelly, 64 years old, is also wounded at this time. Next, he targets Nancy Harvey, who's 21, and Ellen Evganades, I hope I said that right, wounding them both. Alec Hernandez, 17, was delivering papers and was shot in the leg off his bike. Karen Griffith, 17, was shot and ended up dying seven days later. She got shot, I believe they said it went in through her shoulder and kind of across her torso, so tore up her lungs. Thomas Carr, 24, was trying to get Alec Hernandez out of the line of fire. He was shot in the spine and died about an hour later on the street. David Gunby is, it's its gonna come back a little bit later when they, when they give the victim count. You'll see it as 15 killed in some places and 16 killed in other places. Here is the reason for that. David Gunby was 23 years old at the time. Um, he was shot through the torso. <clears throat> when they got him to the hospital, to perform surgery, they realized that he had a bad kidney to begin with, and this damaged his second kidney. The shot did. Mm. So he lived the rest of his life in a bunch of pain, had to be on dialysis. He passed away in 2001, and at that time they ruled it a homicide, thereby making it the 16th victim. Uh, newlyweds Brenda and Adrian Littlefield, 18 and 19 years old, are both shot. Claudia Rutt, 18 years old, is killed. Paul Sontag is 18 years old and killed. Carla Wheeler, 18, is wounded. Roy Schmidt, 29 years old, killed. First officer on scene, Billy Speed, 24 years old, shot and killed. Harry Walchuk, 38 years old, is killed. Billy Snowden, age 35, was wounded by a shot. It ended up being the farthest shot that somebody was hit by. It was over a 500-yard shot. Sandra Wilson, 21, wounded. The rest of these folks were wounded by either directly by bullets, bullet fragments, or debris that was kicked up from the shots. Sandra Wilson, 21. Abdul Kashab, 26. Janet Paulus, 20. Lana Phillips, 21. Oscar Royvela, 21. Irma Garcia, 21. Avelino Esparza, 26. Robert Hurd, 36. John Allen, 18. Morris Homan, 30. 
Can't read my own writing. Yeah. F.L. Foster, <laughs> Robert Fred, Della Martinez, Marina Martinez, Dolores Ortega, who was listed as 30 years old, and C.H. Stewart were the other also wounded. Officers Houston McCoy, age 26, and Alan Crum, 40. Alan was, uh, he was an Air Force tail gunner, uh, veteran. He didn't have anything to do with law enforcement, but he was, he got to the tower along with Department of Public Safety agent Dub Gowan and Austin Police Officer Jerry Day. They finally get across the quad area and get to the base of the, the tower and start working their way up. Uh, Ramiro Ray Martinez was off duty. He called in to the station. They told him to report there to uh, help with traffic, keep traffic out of the area. Once he got there, he noticed there was, that was being taken care of by other officers, so he too also ran to the tower. By now, because this is Texas, um, numerous, numerous citizens are on the ground firing up at the tower. They, they want to try to neutralize the, the uh, problem themselves as well. So everybody's shooting back up at the tower while shots are coming down. They even had a plane flying around that had a police sharpshooter, but Whitman shot at it so often and so close that they, they, drew, they went a farther distance off but kept circling from a distance to try to keep him distracted and keep his mind off of the people down on the ground. <clears throat> In the meantime, Martinez, Crum, and Day search the 27th floor and start finding the victims. Martinez starts up the stairs to the observation deck and Crum comes along but asks to be deputized before they go any further. Mike Gabor, the 19-year-old who was shot in the shoulder to begin this after the receptionist, tells them that Charles Whitman is outside on the observation deck. At some point, Crum accidentally discharges his weapon, which causes Whitman to look off to the south area. Martinez and McCoy come around the northeast corner. Martinez fires at Whitman but misses with all of his shots from his revolver. McCoy, wielding a shotgun, he fires at a light ballast that Whitman happened to be looking up over. He shoots at the top of that and ends up striking him right between the eyes with some shotgun pellets, killing him instantly. He delivered a second shot to his left side. Martinez then grabbed the shotgun and fired one more shot into his body. <clears throat> it wasn't over, unfortunately, because nobody had a way of signaling down on the ground. Martinez was uh, literally barely missed by a, <laughs> by a round from down on the ground, the civilian shooting up. The entire rampage took about 96 minutes. There was 15 killed on that day, as I mentioned, the 16th being David Gumby in 2001, and 31 additional people injured. You remember he wanted to have that, uh, his brain looked at as part of the autopsy. They did find a pecan-sized tumor in his brain, but it was never determined to be the cause. They made up a commission afterwards to investigate what all went down. It was called the Connolly Commission. If that name sounds familiar to any of you history buffs, yeah, that'd be Governor John Connolly, who was shot in the JFK assassination. And the Connolly Commission stated in their findings, it is the opinion of the task force that the relationship between the brain tumor and Charles J. Whitman's actions on the last day of his life cannot be established with clarity. So that is... The University of Texas in Austin, Texas, Charles Whitman shooting rampage, 
that would be eclipsed 18 years later with James Huberty's shooting spree that we talked about on the last episode. Up until that, up until this point, Whitman's had the most victims, and then Huberty surpassed that. So, just as a point of reference, what's yep. the difference in victim count between the two? I don't remember Huberty's off the yeah, top. Yeah, I don't of my remember head. Huberty's either off the top of my head. I, know, I think it was close. I think it was around forty-nine. I think that yeah, was the that injured. Sounds about right. I yeah. think that was the injured, and I think killed were. Man, I hate to reference electronics while we're on here but i'm going to i anyway, hate to put to, you on the spot I no no you're that. you're fine that's that's fine i just i should have thought to have that as well but i didn't but yeah james james huberty let's see 22 dead including himself 19 injured so yeah it was it was in the 40s was total victim count and this was what what did i say 16 fatalities and 31 injured. Is that correct? Double check my notes here. Yeah. So 46 as opposed to the, well, they're about the same victim count, but, but Huberty's was more deadly by six. So that's why it's accredited because there's more fatalities. Right. Yeah. He, he unfortunately killed more people than than Charles Whitman did, but they both ended up injuring about the same amount when it was all said and done. Huberty was also a lot closer range, though, too. Yeah, being at ground level, he wasn't right. firing down; he was firing at a lateral. Yeah, he's right there, Adam. And a lot of those people that he shot, he would shoot multiple times while they were on the ground. So he was very efficient in what he wanted to get done. Whitman. Clearly, when you list or listen to the list of things that he took, he intended to be up there for a long time. Um, there is, I have found it on YouTube, there is some footage, because news folks did follow into the area a little bit later. You can find some footage. All you see is up on the observation deck through a little portal thing. You see puffs of smoke. So that's, up here. that's him up there shooting. Uh, one, of the, one of the people was shot. I don't believe was killed, but one of the people shot was a, it was a news reporter. Mm. And some of those other folks, yeah, they're on the section of Guadalupe Street is, I believe they said a bookstore, a couple coffee shops, hardware store. So it's people going about their own business, and they're just uh, they just start getting picked off. A few of those people, I didn't put it in the notes. I didn't know that it was, I didn't think it was that big a deal to to hit on it in the telling of the story. But a number of them thought they were out of range, so they stood up see what was going on and then they were mm. then they were killed i mean one guy as soon as he stood up he got shot right through the chest so um yeah that's i'm i'm looking up now because i should have put this on there there is an excellent it's uh, partially animated which might throw off some people but don't let that throw you off pink floyd's movie did it i loved yeah, it yeah the wall this is more, I mean, this is a documentary, yeah, a so, some folks, serious. Yeah, yeah. so some folks might let that get to them when they start it and and uh, turn it on, and they're like, what is this, a cartoon? It's, it's, yeah, it's not a cartoon. And now for the life of me, I can't find it, which pisses me off. Oh, yeah, it's simply called Tower. I know I saw that, can't remember which platform it was on to begin with. 
but you can you should be able to find it anywhere and the thing that's crazy about it is directed and produced by keith maitland film follows the shooting from the perspective of several survivors so it's their story that's why they illustrate them that's they have them as uh, animated recreating their account recounts via actors filmed and later animated and retroscoping for you folks that do animation i don't know what that is uh, later, Larry, later aired on television, the PBS series Independent Lens. So, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. I've watched it two or three times. I'll probably watch it again after we're done here. Because it's the lady in the beginning that I talked about getting shot through the abdomen and killed her unborn baby. She's there. Mm. It, she tells her story uh, as it... As it starts to come to a conclusion, they talk to her now. There's a reunion. There was a lady that came and laid beside her and talked her through it. I don't believe she was ever shot, but she, she couldn't get over how this Samaritan basically talked her through surviving, and she never called her name. Well, they found out who it was, and they kind of... and they. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I bet that was a... Yeah, it was something else. So that, I, I can't recommend the show enough. Tower. Find it. Watch it. It's a um, miracle. I, obviously, it's a bittersweet miracle, right? Because she yeah. lost her, her baby. Right. But to have a bullet tumble through you like that, yeah. I take it she didn't. She probably had like a lot of damage internally to her intestines. I would imagine, but it's yeah. a miracle that it didn't like rupture along as it was spinning through. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, it didn't. I don't remember what all happened with her. I, I know she was hospitalized for. I think at least a month. I, I wish I would have looked into that a little further, but she was hospitalized for quite some time. And it didn't help that I think this is most of the people that survived that they speak to, they reference it's it's August in Texas. It was pretty friggin' hot. And these people are laying out on the pavement for over an hour. I mean, nearly two hours, 98 minutes, I think it was. So they said there's that on top of it as you're just cooking out there. And you want to move, but you, you know, you can. Mm -hmm. And another thing that should be brought up is he did focus primarily on that area, but it could have been far, much more far spread carnage because that observation deck goes around all four sides of the tower. That's why some of the things I saw, there was a movie where Kurt Russell played Charles Whitman, um, and in that one, I don't know if they looked at at crime scene reports and knew this to be the case, but in that one, I believe he sets up a couple different guns in a couple different places so he can just go around and, and pick them up and fire from there. That makes sense to me as far as what he was trying to do. So, yeah, it was nobody had really seen anything like that at the time. Um, I know we've had sniper situations since then. Uh, there's one that never gets talked about that was in, uh, I think it was, shoot, now I can't remember. It was either New Orleans, I think it was in New Orleans in the 70s, people shooting from the top of a hotel. I have to research that one better for you guys. But it, that never gets any publicity. And I think part of the reason why is those perpetrators were, I believe there's two, and they were... Uh, African-American males, and for some reason, as I've hit on 
either on this one or on Marvin the Macaw, but when when it comes to people of color and and certain professions of females that are victims, it just doesn't get the attention in the in the media. It's like they don't they don't care. That's not that's not sexy enough, you know. It's not a it's blue hair, you know. Over. It's not a blonde yeah. blonde hair, blue eyed girl, so it's not that big a deal. But uh, yeah, I think to my knowledge, that was the the first and obviously most chaotic sniper situation in the states. Um, for all you fans of movies out there, Full Metal Jacket, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman does reference both Lee Harvey Oswald and Charles Whitman as being Marine Corps riflemen. Um, I called my dad to ask him about the the sharpshooter designation, and uh, he remembered it. And I made note, but I didn't. I didn't feel like really getting in i started down this rabbit hole when i was researching this this turned into like a half hour rabbit hole oh i can imagine was your, <laughs> your dad a military man yeah my dad served in the marine corps i did not know that marine corps vietnam vet as a matter of fact so yeah and in the heavy times too he was over there in 68 and 69 um and he was telling me marksman is the lowest grade you can score out at sharpshooter and then expert i tried to look to see how the scoring worked and I couldn't get a very clear answer because I believe it was in 2016 the Marine Corps changed their scoring mm. so what it would have been in the 60s is not what it is now a few guys that I found that went through boot camp in the 60s said your max score was 250 but then the other stuff I found now it goes up to 280 to 304 so it was I could not correlate the difference but basically, that'd be your second best shooter as a sharpshooter. I did find, and I, I did this partially for you being a, a guy that gets into this a little bit, what they, they shoot at targets from this sitting, prone, kneeling, and standing position, and they do it from 200, 300, and 500 yards. So it gauges your control in every situation. Correct. Which I would expect that because somebody can be shooting standing just fine right right but i i guess a better example from that would be they could be down and they could have more control over the oh, sure. recoil yeah and score super high right and it would be like cheesing the test if you did your whole yeah. test in a and a i lower think level. another thing for for folks that again if i haven't said it before i'm not i don't i'm not that knowledgeable about firearms but i know there was a major difference between what they how they do it now and how they do it then because as as dad pointed out in the 60s they're using m1 carbines i mean they're yeah, that's your woodstock heavy relatively heavy gun so to have that in the standing position and even in the kneeling position i think is is considerably different than holding the an m16 uh dad told me when he was in they did let them handle an m16 because it was it was brand spanking new but it wasn't standard issue no yet. no not at not at his time i believe they started with the army the army got them first that's i have learned that about the marine corps they said they're always the last to know and the last to get the new stuff so i didn't know that myself i yeah. assumed that each branch had some kind of does like i always knew army like current right. army you obviously get an m16 issued to you yeah i i, I mean that's the standard issue now but you now that was no, the guys in the Army in the late 60s, I know they had M16s, whereas the 
as most of the Marines in the 60s still had M14s, which still was your wooden stock. Uh, I believe it was higher capacity. I don't remember the difference but between the M1 and the M14, but the M14 is your next step up to M16. But when they did let him handle that M16, he said him and most of the guys were like, this feels like a toy gun. I mean, it, it feels well, like yeah, plastic you're used after. To carrying yeah, that, after, yeah. after you're used to carrying and shooting the other one. And as he mentioned, the, the type of sights, he said, you know, it was a peephole sight on the M1s. So shooting this through a peephole sight, and he talked about the drops, you know, he's like, as it got back out to the 500 yards, you, you know, you click your sight, how you, you learn how to sight it in so you can get, so you can drop it in on the target. So it's not, this isn't willy nilly, uh, what do they call them? Pray and spray. <laughs> it's not, it's not that type of stuff. These, it's not something to brag about Charles Whitman's, uh, proficiency with a weapon, but I mean, it, still it classified as a, a sharp shooter. Yeah. I mean, regardless of the egregious things that he did, that's still right. a, not something that anybody can just go out and get. Exactly. And not, and with his victims, I, I hate to say it, it, the fatalities certainly could have been higher. Certainly could have been higher. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I decided to hit on. It just happened to be fortuitous that it happened at this time, so I could link it on to the back of the Huberty episode from a couple of weeks ago. Um, don't know that I'll ever do a full episode on her, but just for shits and giggles for you guys. This should be dropping on Wednesday. Wednesday be the anniversary date of the uh, Lizzie Borden murders. Just for those out there that were curious and know anything about Lizzie, that, that happened. That'll correspond with the date that we're dropping this episode. So... I don't know anything about it. No? No, not that I'm aware of. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her father 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her mother 41. You don't know that? No. No? no. Okay. All right, fair enough. Did, have you ever heard that? Yes. What? <laughs> yeah. Lizzie Borden, 1890s, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a famous, uh, the house is like really well known, right? It's a bed and breakfast. Yeah, okay, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. They turned it into a bed and breakfast. I feel and dumb now. No, I don't feel dumb. <laughs> Christina Ricci played her in the most recent uh, movies. Uh, as I was always fond of saying, Christina Ricci is about 10 times better looking than Lizzie ever was. So they did Lizzie a favor by having Christina Ricci play her. But no, yeah, Lizzie Borden, that was. Uh, that case took place late 1800s. Um, yeah, the house is now a bed and breakfast, and it's still debated. Did she do it? Did she not? It, it's a fun little debate. I've read both sides. I, I, I don't know what my opinion is. I'd have, to, I'd have to get back into it again and refresh my memory on what my thoughts were to, to say what my take on it is. But, I mean, in, in a book, called The Cases That Haunt Us by John Douglas, one of the original behavioral sciences guys. That's one of the cases he hits on. He does John Bonet, Lizzie Borden, the Lindbergh baby, and I, and I can't remember the other one. Oh, Jack the Ripper. He does Jack the Ripper. So he makes a case for how it could have been someone else but not Lizzie and the layout of the house and, and all these things. So, yep, there was that, and... All kinds of stuff we still got to bring your way, but that's what I decided to hit on. I I was kicking it around, man. I tell you, I didn't I didn't pick my topic till today. Been off. Oh, for, you did. Yeah, it'd a been lot off of for last two weeks. 
Yeah, I've been doing this since three o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, uh, been kicking around a few different ones, and I just couldn't, couldn't. And like I said, I finally decided on this one because it, it happened in early August. But topics you guys can expect to hear a little bit more about: Leopold and Loeb was one that popped up in my head. But a lot, a lot of people don't know that one. That was the, one of the original crimes of the century in the early 1900s. I believe that was the first crime of the century for the 20th century. Um, Tina Brandon and Matthew Shepard, I still need to really hit on those. Go for it. No, I'm good. Got it? It felt like it was coming, but <laughs> okay. I'm good. <laughs> and then, yeah. So I, I still have plenty to come your way. Hope I haven't rambled on too much for you guys. Hope you learned something from this. Uh, pick out any of those dates that I mentioned in the beginning of the show. and Look into some of those things further for yourself. It never hurts, and I always encourage further education. I'm not I'm not here to give you everything. I like to think I bring it to your attention and it piques your interest and you look further into it, but that's what I like doing, and that's what we'll continue to do. So thanks again for listening. If you care to go to Apple and give us some stars and some actual write-ups, that'd be great. If you don't, that's fine too. Just keep listening, and we'll keep doing it. And we'll bring you some more information in the next couple weeks. Thanks, Austin, for doing everything that you do. It's and, a pleasure. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.